0: I'm lucky because I got to meet Jad Khosun six months ago when I was a guest on his podcast. If you haven't already, please check it out because it really is one of my favorite, if not my favorite, uh, experience when it comes to discussing this country's good and bad parts of its history. Jad is talented. He's ethical, he's skilled, and he's uh rightfully earned his place as a celebrated Lebanese journalist. So if you have a moment, check it out. If you haven't already. And please hit the subscribe button to this channel. Click on the like button. Leave a comment. Any engagement is appreciated. The audio listenership is quite big. But the video viewers, it's not that big. So I'd like to keep it growing. And that requires some engagement from the audience. So if you can share this channel with your friends and family, punish them with my voice and my my face. So without further ado, Jad (laughs) Ghassan. Jadid to your own independent platform. And you're succeeding. Thank you. In a time where many people find it difficult to even make ends meet, you found a way to make your own terms sustainable. There's no compromise. In our brief discussions, Mm. you're generating revenue really thanks to donations and thanks to what we all live off of, which is YouTube ad revenue. Uh, Which is not very... It's not enough, but if you combine it, there's a way to live off of what you love doing and you found a way to do it. And I'm not going to bother you with the subject many people bothered you with, but I'd like to just sort of pick up a bit from that moment where you were about to travel and then you got news that your job was... I think suspended or terminated?
1: Yeah, it was terminated at the end.
0: Terminated. Yeah. So without getting... I don't want to... No, uh, no problem. No, okay. it's, it's, not a, it's not an issue. But let's start from that point where you get that message yeah. to where you are now. Are there any regrets?
1: Not at all. Because, look, it was it was a really uncertain period uh, that I was going through. Mm. Before that, uh, since the at least the 4th of August explosion, because... It has been for me about two to three years that I was, uh, let's, let's term it as bored a little bit by working uh, yeah. at Al Jadid, because I had the feeling that uh, I did all that I can do within this framework. Mm. It's now repetitive a little bit. And Lebanese politics in general is repetitive. (laughs) So we had the 17th of October movement. Mm. Uh, Which you were part of. Yeah, that picks you up from a motivational standpoint. And then you have something to work for. But then uh, during the uh, mid-2020, you had that feeling of going back into the same loophole that we had before. After the Hassan Diab government yeah. and then the yeah. stalemate that we got into, and then the explosion happened. So for about three to four years, I was having the idea, I was contemplating the idea of maybe leaving the country or staying Ooh. here. I, I, I was not, I wasn't sure.
0: So it was already in your mind before you made that final decision that you yeah, wanted but, to. Yeah, but but I always
1: uh, came to the conclusion no that I'll stay here mm. because it's fine still for me yeah I can have something to do here I'm interested in Lebanese politics and trying to, to affect anything yeah. in this country but at the same time it's because of my parents they are in Lebanon and someone has to uh, help there because my sister is already in France and uh, my brother is also on his pathway to going to Paris so ready, ready. that you oh. know yeah.
0: Then, yeah so I wanted to, you know I'm going to insert this in it shows you just how small Beirut is. Yeah. It was not long after our epi- uh, your our conversation on yeah. your podcast. He introduced himself as your brother. Oh, really? In Jemayze, Mush, Mush Hotel.
1: Uh-huh, I see.
0: And next to the guy who does Art of Boo, Bernard... I um, forgot his last yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bernard, I, I should remember this. Yeah,
1: I, remember. I, I forgot his last name also. Art of Boo. Art of Boo, yeah, yeah.
0: They're sitting next to each other. And I'm like, oh, this is where it all happens, you know. Uh-huh. And your uh, episode that you released today was with Ghassan Mkhaibir, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. I saw him on Tuesday. Oh, we really? were talking about media and journalism. It just shows you how small this country is. Yeah,
1: and that's one of our political problems that we don't look into much. Yeah. Uh, having a small country affects political relations in society, so it mm. makes uh, change harder. Yeah. Because you have uh, the term that Ibn Khaldun uses, I, I don't know the, the exact translation into English, al-Asabiyya. Yeah, um, it usually uh, changes a little bit or evolves a little bit in cities. Mm, so mm. when you you when you live in a village, let's say, so you have your family ties And uh, you have your value system which is quite rigid a little bit and you have a big brother always (laughs) so everyone is watching everyone yeah when you go down into cities they're more crowded and no one knows really the other that much and no one really uh, watches the other and have uh, judgments all the time right so that's why cities usually uh, temper down the old Asabiyya Asabiyya. right so in Lebanon we have a small country everybody knows everyone even in the city we still know each other even in the city so uh, when you get into a certain political party I had that when I was in FPM before 2012 and you want to leave that party because you just change your opinions and or you have anything change in the way you see things
0: you call it a word
1: (laughs) 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 i So the problem uh, becomes uh, not really uh, from an idea standpoint. You can change mm-hmm. your opinion and you can see that something is wrong here or I don't agree It was a lot of stuff going on. The problem is with your social status. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. when you are in a political party in Lebanon, you are in a, in a network. Right. So leaving that one network uh, makes you seem as if now you're alone. Mm. So, because I had this discussion with a friend mm. and he told me back then that, okay, now you're leaving FM. what have you become now? I told him I haven't anymore. become anything, I'm, I'm yeah. just me. Yeah. So you're nothing? Right. So the word nothing really uh, rang in my ear because that's how the true feeling is. If you're not in a given traditional political party in Lebanon, you're nothing.
0: But this is, I'm, you know, I'm really happy. You're, you've done two things right now. You've done what you're very good at, which is took the conversation to a place that is so rewarding and rich. You. And you also prove, and I, I know this having met you before and having having followed your work for some time. You are your own person. I know that you've come to your own conclusions yeah. yourself, and that's why it's it's a sincere debate sometimes. And that's the what yeah. that's the debate you can have with someone who's not. That's the word. Yeah. having sincere debates Yeah, I, I think having no
1: hidden agendas or trying to serve a hidden agenda
0: right and the fact is you are not nothing you are something and that's worth a lot but let's go back to, to the yeah, moment uh, you said screw the gulf I'm staying in Lebanon yeah, on my terms because uh, w- when I
1: had the offer from uh, Bloomberg Ashark Uh, I had this question because many, many friends also always ask me, how come you go to the Ashar Saudi and uh, I'm opposed to the Saudi regime as a whole. I said, yes, it's a compromise. I know it's a compromise. Mm. But I tried to uh, manage this compromise while uh, negotiating with Ashok. So that's why I told them that I don't Mm. want to be in the political section. I want to be in the economic section that deals with stuff. And I know that you have your own framework, Let's say, <laughs> but don't be asking me to have praise, doing praise, praises to any official in Saudi Arabia. So or, you
0: wanted to limit it. It's not yeah. limited, but you wanted that's to. That's a economics. compromise, and I know that's a compromise. Yeah. So. Uh, so you, you did not want to go into politics stuff. Because
1: I, I I know I knew beforehand that yeah. I would have to have some clashes that won't get you anywhere. Mm. In, in, a, in any TV station that is the, the related to any official in Saudi Arabia or any other Arab country yeah. in general, yeah. but especially Saudi Arabia. So that's a compromise and that's not an easy compromise. And I had to do it because I was thinking about my parents and how one can sustain his living in a country like Lebanon. But uh, and I took my time to think if I was going to go there in the first place or not. Because it it wasn't the ideal place for me to be, but I needed that Mm. uh, as a transitional phase going then afterwards, in my mind at least, uh, somewhere else in Europe. But that would be later on uh, true immigration. I'm not going back So that was like a... So it it was an ideal transitional period for me to figure out what I'm going to do. Are, Are you going back to Lebanon or not? Yeah. Uh and one of the ideas that I had because I was really reluctant in going there because of my personal views of what is true media and what is uh, a really best place to work in any realm related to politics what are the best conditions and those weren't the best conditions
0: for for those specific reasons yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: so I uh, uh, a friend told me at the time that okay, Joseph Smeha at the time, the uh, late Joseph Smeha, uh, held also bad views about Saudi Arabia and the Gulf and the regimes there. But he worked for a bit uh, at Al Hayat, mm. which is Saudi-owned right. newspaper, because of the financial reason, yeah. not anything else. And the discussion with him back then was that. Uh, Yes, it's not the ideal place to be, but I have to earn a living, I have a family, and I have yeah. to do something. And one has to say that the Lebanese media outlets in general, be it newspaper in his case, or TV stations in mine, mine, are also not the ideal place. You are also doing compromises here. But definitely it goes without saying that you have a bigger margin here to work in. Yeah, course, True journalism yeah. is a daily negotiation between the journalist and his institution yeah. that he works in. Because you're never you're never, all, almost on the same page. Yeah. So you would have to work in a margin that you will try to forge through negotiations with your uh, TV station. And your stature in your TV station gets higher and you would have more margin to work with, within the more you are needed by the TV station. So, you are, if you are just any other reporter, yeah. no, you don't have a bigger margin. And I, I saw that. So, I, uh, uh, Amir, Bayse, Ramil Amin, uh, lots of other fellows, we had some margin to work with. And al Jadi didn't have any problem with that. Even though we worked on the same page, especially after the 17th of October revolution. So I was uh, very critical of the central bank, of of its governor, of the association of banks. They weren't on the same page, at least not at that level.
0: Did they ever, I mean, was there ever a moment where you had to actually censor myself? Yeah, it doesn't have to be that dramatic. It's just a word or two that has to be touched on and maybe played with a bit.
1: Not really. Uh, I said the story many times because uh, during my eight years, eight years minus a couple of months at Al Jadid, I had once uh, a request to change something in my report. Mm. It was about the banks. It was in, I believe, 2015. Okay, so. So it yeah. was before the collapse. Yeah. Uh, it was just a report about the Bank of Beirut, if I remember, having a, a, a Christmas tree. Uh, inkirky okay <laughs> so they had uh, the Christmas tree with the was some sort of small ATM like <laughs> poster uh, written on uh, Bank of Beirut Perfect. so I I, I remember the story of Jesus Christ <laughs> getting into the uh, temple and having his problems with such people. And saying that you cannot turn this holy place into uh, somewhere where you can bank. do some finances. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, uh, heck, it was a picture that triggered me. So I did yeah. a report on it and mm-hmm. I named the bank and, and said uh, that quote from the Bible yeah. <laughs> in opposition to what mm-hmm. happened there. So they had a problem with that because Bank of Beirut, is a, they have their commercials on new TV. So they put their ads oh, there. Oh, so that was the problem. It was yeah. more advertising so, than... Advertising, than, yes. Okay, yeah, yeah so uh, but during the revolution we had discussions about more um, coverage to the demonstration being held at the central bank they did some coverage mm. but i was calling for more coverage there not only me several of my colleagues Ramiz, uh, adi riyad uh, adam shamsuddin and others uh, their argument there was that if you don't have more than a hundred or hundred fifty protesters we cannot just uh, put them on air all the time our argument was that if you put the cameras there people would uh, (laughs) the the numbers grow so the media has a role uh such stuff but during that period i was going on tv with Josalibi mainly on a a regular basis on a nightly basis Mm -hmm. in the first couple of days and i was very critical to Riyadh Salemi Mm -hmm. and the banking sector and they didn't talk to me about that
0: Okay, so it was, it was more the, these are sponsors for, this is money, yeah. a bank is advertising, cool it on them.
1: Yeah, so they told me, you can't put that report back then, right. but you cannot name the bank and just try to uh, I see. put it on okay. a blurry picture of their logo and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah.
0: that. But in the Lebanese context, that's actually not bad, because that shows that, I'm, I'm getting from you that for the most part, you had your own independent yeah, yeah. outlet I mean, uh, you were able I, I to did. do it on your terms uh,
1: to be frank I did yeah. I didn't
0: uh, and for uh, the sound effects you yeah. came on the night of the storm which is yeah. even a bigger honor for me
1: uh, that's that's uh, that's cozy, <laughs> cozy. and what chat. did you say
0: before <laughs> if we both die great for viewers <laughs>
1: you would see something special and revenue uh, goes up <laughs> <laughs> to our relatives maybe. Yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I wasn't in many instances, at the same page politically with Al Jadid, mm. so I, when I first got into Al Jadid, I was opposed to that Muqaddimah. they had, the, the introduction to the nightly yeah. bulletin. Yes, but then I changed my mind because yes, it's not the most professional way to uh, broadcast your news, but in the Lebanese context, what it gave us as journalists working at Al Jadid. So it's okay. You put your own opinion, the opinion of the TV station in that introduction hmm. and you spare us from any uh, issues yeah. politically related to that stance that right. you have. Right. So if you watched Al-Jadeed News, you would have, uh, politically speaking, many divergent views in the Nightly in the, in the Bulletin. Yeah, and true. that would become clear back in 2013, 14, 15, uh, in the coverage of the Syrian Crisis. Yes, yes right. Because then you would have uh, some reporters calling the uh, Syrian army, let's say, al-Jaysh al-Arabi suri yeah. the uh, uh, regime's army. Yes. And you would say the uh, next night, another reporter saying, uh, quwat al Assad." Right. So, okay. yes, the reporters have different views and the TV station just allowed that. Because they have their own uh, political stance, let's say at the beginning of the right. uh, nightly, and they let you take it from there. Yep.
0: But then it becomes almost this is your opinion, but it's not Al-Jadid's opinion. It, uh, it's, it's, it's a blurry, blurry it's, it's, yeah. it's
1: a gray area. But they 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 supported that. They, they didn't right. have any
0: problem with that. So it's it's a it's a blurred uh, it's a blurred blurred way of describing maybe your input and Al-Jadid's input at the same time. That they have the way of saying this is your opinion that's another journalist's opinion it's our station but you have your you have your autonomy yeah not full independence but autonomy and
1: i have to be clear here i'm talking about my own personal experience yeah sure and I, I know it's it differs from juniors to the other mm. so, so for me to go back to the bloomberg a shark issue, yes yeah. i was giving you this whole long example uh, about the compromise you need to do as a journalist in Lebanon or if you work in Saudi Arabia knowing that in Saudi Arabia or maybe any other Arab country def- depends on its political system there you would have a smaller margin and it was a yeah. big compromise that I had to do for financial reasons Yeah, uh, I tried to have like an immunity system for me going (laughs) to the economic side of the issue knowing that in economy it's not a whole scientific issue you have Mm -hmm. many divergent opinions in economy and it's political but there you can handle it with the technicalities of economy you can have your own margin figured out that way but nevertheless this whole uh, reasoning that I had they made my, uh, my job easier by just telling me while I'm still in Lebanon that you would never have any margin there because
0: oh even in economics yeah no no
1: when when we spoke they Mm. told me yes we are an independent media you can say Uh uh, whatever you want and they told me if you review what Bloomberg uh, spoke about Saudi Arabia during the Khajirji uh, assassination uh, we spoke with high uh, uh, criticism to Saudi Arabia so you don't you don't have any problem there so they knew my opinion about mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like something I had them on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not a private it wasn't like domain. They had to d- dive
0: yeah. Deep to find it. Yeah. yeah. So
1: uh, what happened later on is the whole political issue around uh, some political, let's say, small battles in Saudi Arabia with the new team around MBS. They are trying to it al Saudi. So they are trying to I don't know how to say it Saudi eyes.
0: Yeah, Yeah. wow, yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Something like that. that, (laughs) So
1: because they are being critical uh, about uh, with uh, the foreigners that came and took control of their media outlets. And it was more a battle towards uh, uh, Al-Khatib, who was a Jordanian-Palestinian who was running Al-Bloomberg Ashar, who was before in Al-Arabiya and Al-Hadath. So they are telling these foreigners are uh, bringing uh, employees who are critical of Saudi Arabia, while us Saudis needs need that jobs, need that kind of jobs. And, and you were, were kind of caught in there. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, just used as an arsenal, right uh, So, so the, for, for that. It's fine. Yeah. Now, looking back at it, it spared me from uh, a clash because if that was the uh, internal structure there, it would have been a matter of weeks before uh, we had uh, any clash. I
0: think you would have resigned. Uh, I believe principle. so. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I cannot be certain because you won't know the internal dynamics at Bloomberg Ashark. I don't want to be critical of something that I don't know. Maybe they have their own internal mm-hmm. issues that they can deal with. But uh, knowing that I had my opinions declared and public about Saudi Arabia and they can't handle it. Uh, spared me the travel and maybe spared me some troubles there because you would have to have your home Mm -hmm. and would have to have the rent paid on a year and you might leave the country three weeks later that would have been uh, brutal a little bit What
0: confuses me even though you went through the whole process you know it better than anyone obviously but what still confuses me is that they don't see having you as a strength because it's to anyone's advantage to have somebody who's Opinionated, but is not willing to be bought, yeah, and that's something that I think it's a, it's a shame that they're not willing to incorporate more.
1: So, what intrigued me mm-hmm. at the first place when they, they spoke to me that they want someone like me, so they know who I am, yeah, uh, they know who are, what I say is that. Yeah. So, I thought that having Bloomberg there, maybe with a shadow. They are trying to have some credibility ingrained while mm. just having this uh, TV station by having someone critical of the yeah. uh, political regime in Saudi Arabia, not right. the Saudis. Okay. And I believe personally that my criticism of the political regime in Saudi Arabia is a defense to the Saudi people. I don't have anything to lose here having uh, yeah. uh, uh, any oppressive regime in Saudi Arabia or right. Uh, right. Syria or yeah. whatever. So I'm not affected by the Saudis here in Lebanon. Right but that wasn't the stance so now looking back that what propelled me into taking the risk Mm -hmm. in uh, launching my own podcast yeah because then al Jadid spoke to me to come back to al Jadid, but i said it has been two years that i'm having these thoughts of leaving al Jadid and not daring Mm -hmm. to do so saying it's not the right time economically speaking so uh, it's like a tape that you have to just remove yeah and i did that it wasn't clear at the beginning uh, what kind of revenues that I would have from such an outlet yeah. would it uh, be enough for me to sustain a living right. and it was and it was great ending to a whole messy period
0: it feels good to feel great at the end yeah I think that's the it's the all the bumps and then you get to that point where you can look back and say best decision you made was not to go yeah I think that's a very. I think all the more reason for people that care about what you're doing or care about what any independent outlet is doing is to actually support them. And it kind of it's it's humbling sometimes to see uh, whether it's Megaphone that was asking for a regular contribution recently or any any podcast that sort of puts on Patreon and says it's needed because you can't really survive without the audience helping. Yeah. And you get great content in return which I think is a nice way to introduce a subject both of us faced. It's kind of funny in a way. It's entertaining. Yeah. Uh, 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 somebody I don't know, but I know from social media. Many common friends. You may know him as well. Mustafa Hemway. Yeah, I, I know him from social media. From, I yeah, so I, don't, I don't think I've ever met him. I, I think he may be in Ghana. Oh, really? He's not in Lebanon? I, I don't think so. He posted a funny... It was like a... Back and forth, said you know. Here are the two podcasts that he enjoys, probably from Ghana. Um, you interviewing Mary Claude Najem. Yeah. Same week, maybe within a few days, I spoke to Sami Jmeir. Yeah. And he posted, or there was a post of us, sort of Sami Jmeir and myself and yourself with Mary Claude Najem, yeah. and saying the pod- independent podcasts are speaking to the regime, or something like that. He wasn't necessarily criticizing more that. But oh, well. I, I hear
1: the the. Uh, I'm not talking about the specific tweet from. Uh, yeah. Hamwi, but I heard lots of even during the days I was at Al-Jadid, this kind of argument that you you mm. you you don't have to uh, invite uh, speakers related to the regime.
0: Right. And
1: I, I don't understand that logic. Yeah. That was the other end. You don't. No, no, no. Uh, In a perfect world, Mm. I would love to have an interview with Fuad Senora. Okay, yeah. Because uh, I. Let me write that down. My next guest.
0: (laughs) How do you spell his last (laughs) name? So, because uh,
1: because I vehemently disagree with uh, lots of his doings, but at least I know that he knows what he's doing. Mm. He's not just uh, a side player in mm. the political system. Yeah. So let's talk seriously. Mm. Because most of our MPs, not all of them, but most of our MPs in the Lebanese parliament are just there for the ride. They, they, they have nothing to discuss, really. Yeah. They, they just want that social status of being named an MP.
0: You're right. I think even many most ministers too. And lots of ministers, yeah.
1: yeah. There are key people that you might agree or disagree with but you can have a real conversation with so yeah. if I only talk with those who I'm agreeing with uh, like preaching to acquire, it's it's boring it's redundant and in a certain way you would be repeating the experience of partisan media outlets in Lebanon like Al-Manar or OTV or Mustaqbal or, right. or right. Yeah, they just talk to each other and yeah. it's not it's not uh, it's it's not uh, Ununderstandable when you see the ratings that LBC, Al Jadid, MTV have higher ratings view in terms of viewership than those other media outlets because right. even those with Hezbollah don't watch Al Manar, they watch right. maybe Al Jadid more, sure, or even MTV, sometimes. or even I mean, MTV yeah, or yeah. LBC yeah. because, uh, in terms of any discussion, to be interesting. If you know what the person is going to say, why I'm watching this whole episode. So, the diversification of guests is essential. But I tried to begin during these like 35 episodes now, having more emphasis on the uh, figures from the opposition or from the alternative political parties, because they don't have the means or they don't have the opportunity on Mm -hmm. the traditional media. But on the long way, on the longer term, I would love to have interviews with any any political figure in Lebanon. The issue is, what are we going to talk about? That's how you judge.
0: I will, this is where I'll try to that's interesting there's no friction yet we need to create some friction how do we do it let me let me, let me, throw some, let me put some uh, like, red meat let's put some red meat where i was going to say let's uh, plug in the laptop to the and see what happens <laughs> during the lightning yeah. storm i watch your podcast i listen to your podcast uh more than any other podcast i got to know your work better in in, in recent months and i listen all the time I'll be quite honest, there are some guests that make me uncomfortable. Uh, and I think they probably make you uncomfortable too. Yeah. Maybe uh, or maybe not. I, mean, I shouldn't I shouldn't assume. But uh so let's let's look at the spectrum. You've included an idiot like me. I don't <laughs> agree. <laughs> it's dim the lights, put the filter. <laughs> so you had someone like me who's I think probably I mean after that episode, it's pretty clear where I stand on one issue at least. But you're willing to talk right. about something—it's very controversial and very, uh, very emotional subject in this country. You will also have somebody like Ibrahim right. Lamine uh, from Akbar, and you can have the same engaging tone, the same curiosity, and the same depth. And for
1: me, that is professional. But because I'm truly, truly curious to uh, understand the uh, whole argumentation behind yeah. any political uh, stance. B- but that's what I was trying to say, like choosing choosing the guests. You need people who really are involved or mm-hmm. they, they really believe in what they are saying.
0: Yeah.
1: Because... I, I, I follow most of the uh, political talk shows on the traditional media, yeah. you'd have some MPs, uh, th- lots of them that I know personally, behind the cameras that they, they tell you that uh, they don't believe everything that they are saying.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: So, in let's say Ibrahim yeah. Al-Amin's uh, interview, my whole argument was that, okay, you are a pro Allah, uh, you have a pro Allah political view, that's fine. but let's talk how Hezbollah is affecting state building in Lebanon. Okay, let's put aside his role as a resistance. I don't have any problem with that for the moment. But the resistance is a means to an end. The end is having a better country, a stronger country, a more flourishing country. That's why I also am in favor of a strong state that can defend defend its territory and sovereignty. So if you're doing that job, How come Hezbollah on the internal issues is not doing any job, any real job in terms of fighting corruption, but on the other hand, they are voting for Mi'ati and for another national coalition government that we all know beforehand that it will fail and they will lay the blame on on each other. So that movie we've seen lots
0: of times. And you have the, I think you have the credentials to ask someone like him that question because I think that person also knows that you're not, This is not a scoop, it's not trying to, uh, you're actually, truly,
1: uh, so he had an answer, at least he has his own complete reasoning, you can agree with or disagree with, so what he he replied with, yes, I agree, they are not doing their job on the internal side, and that's why I told them, he's he's talking now, "Uh, you should refrain from doing internal politics, you're a resistant movement, get out of the government, it's not your job, you're failing at that, okay, that's an answer. Yeah. But trying to defend uh, Mi'ati's government or their persistent alliance with all of the other confessions from 2005 to now, definitely ups with some ups and downs, and saying that we are just not... Uh, we don't have anything related to the Lebanese government. We just uh, that's that's counters the facts. Yeah. So right. he didn't go that way. He answered the question and he has his own reason That's
0: what I consider a good conversation. It's riveting, and the reason I think for many people that I know that watch you and don't necessarily agree with a lot of what these guests yes. are saying, but they're able to hear from them what they have to say. It's, I mean, it's exceptional and i think
1: i'll have i'll ask you for an advice now sure
0: no but i, I there's so he's maybe the most he's probably the farthest down yeah. the spectrum that i could imagine because there's many people on the way there that i find almost um, at times entertaining from tv najah wakim used to be my like popcorn i would sort yeah. of enjoy the moments that he would get a bit sort of frantic and yeah. energized he was very calm and very toned and measured when he spoke to you. I think uh, you found a way to like. No, w-
1: when you when you, uh, s- uh, I'm trying to figure <laughs> out uh, that side of how to do interviews because mm. even during my uh, period at the Al Jadid, I rarely did long interviews. Mm. Yeah. So it was mostly documentaries or uh, news reports. So when you talk with people when you ask people to reflect on their own experience, especially if you go back to their earliest uh, experiences, they can go into this reflective mode. Yes. And it almost always is toned down.
0: That's a good point, you know, because I've never... From the episodes I've listened to, I've never heard anyone lose their temper. Well, we? because
1: I'm not, I'm not trying to trigger that. Yeah, I, I know, yeah. I know. One can easily, in a, in a very cheesy way, trigger some points. Sure. Yeah, I, I can tell Najah Joaquin that yes, uh, X said that you are an old fashioned. Uh, uh, politician filled with disappointments don't throw your disappointments on us. Right. There are people who say that yeah. what's the point? I can say that what yeah. What am I adding to the general discussion? Yeah. Nothing. But yeah. yes I know it might be a good clickbait way to just have small clips where but that's what not what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I know that lots of the guests that I'm choosing are not those who can bring like uh, 300,000 viewers. I know that.
0: But it's the, let's say, 30 to 50 or whatever thousand views that count. It's yeah. the ones that want to learn.
1: It's the discussion that interests me. I'm not trying to do anything. Absolutely.
0: Uh, I've watched Dan they talk on every outlet, yet the only time I enjoyed the exchanges with you. Was at a hotel lobby, I believe? No, no.
1: What happened is, is a funny <laughs> story because I was beginning my interviews. I had Lies Seba, I had Fouwes see and mm. Dan as was the third. Okay. I, yeah. I, it was during the, uh, maybe a week before I did the interview, I was trying to stop smoking oh. at the time. <laughs> so I went to a friend that has a cigar place. There they yeah, are. I, I'm trying, uh, I'm, I'm trying. trying. I'm and feeling miserably. St- since April, so I'm now still trying. Yeah, <laughs> I did ICOS, I did yeah. those. Uh. <laughs> so uh, at the time, uh, I, I knew a friend that has a, a cigar lounge. Uh, it's a cigar shop. Okay. So I used to buy the cigarellos and yes. stuff like that, trying not to smoke and just to puff them without yeah. inhaling and stuff like that. So I was talking with him and I, it, it's been a while since I saw him because I was yeah. smoking <laughs> before. Right. So I was there and I was talking with the guy that owns the shop yeah. and he was telling me that last week he saw Dan as he came to him uh-huh. to, because he buys also cigars and stuff. Oh, you know Dan as and stuff like that. Yes, he always comes and he works there. Mm. So I called Dan when I was at I'm at Fidel's. He was yeah. telling me that you know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, during the conversation, I said, that let's do an interview here. Oh, great. Because you smoke cigars. Let's yeah. do it here. Right. Yeah, so I see. said, yeah, I'm, I'm a customer, so mm. I'll come. So, and, the, and they
0: let you do it, which is nice. Yeah, they gave which you is the, nice. Yeah.
1: So uh, ideally, yeah. ideally, in an ideal world, I would love to have most of my interviews in that setup. Not that specific setup. Yeah. But in a more... Uh, unofficial mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. sit down
0: it's nice having some motion in the background right. and having it even the, the background itself is pleasant to look at yeah. and looks very comfortable yeah. maybe maybe it's a little eccentric with the cigars but still <laughs> it, a- it adds flavor to the uh, to the episode because
1: it, was, it wasn't re- uh, like forced to yeah right he smokes cigars he yeah. usually does that right. so we did it so yeah. it's not like trying to have something yeah, yeah, unreal not, yeah, absolutely. just stage something
0: but so then as he speaks for a living, yeah. I mean, he has a real job, obviously, but he talks, he talks a lot and he talks well. Um, but you found a way to, I think, probe him like a podcaster should. I enjoyed it. Uh, Fawaz Rabulsi, who we both know from AUB, yeah. I, rem- I rem- remembered why I used to read his books to begin with, that this is a very important contributor to Lebanese history yeah. on the more economic side, but still very, very important. Um and then there's sort of characters along the way. Najah Waqim is one of them. Uh, George Urim. It's the first time I actually watched him talk. Really? And it was, for me, somebody who wants to learn about him, wants to learn about maybe his stories, yeah. um, I think that's the only way to do it. So all of that is my way of asking you. I know you're not doing it for attention, obviously. You're not doing it for clickbait. You're willing to go to somebody who's fairly controversial, at least in the journalism world. Forget politics. I think even in journalism, uh, Brahim al mean, yeah. the name when it's brought up, it does sort of have a, yeah. there's controversy there. Um, I spoke to Sam Ismail before I started, before the protests, I spoke to Rael Hassan when yeah. she was Minister of Interior. I spoke to Amal Mdallali, the UN ambassador. Yeah ambassador to the UN, uh, Tahrid Mitri, who's a former minister. You had Mr. Hoff. I had Fred Hoff. Yeah. Mr. Hoff, yes. Hoffline. The Hoffline was on the episode, on the podcast. Tahrid Mitri, a former minister. Nasir Yassin, who's a current minister. And other names that have been either in positions of power or are seeking positions of power. Many of them I think wanted to be in the Hassan Diab government. Yeah. And I think that's why they were talking to me I don't know, uh-huh. maybe. But I don't see any shame in speaking to people that are that have been s- uh, completely sidelined by a certain crowd within October 17. Hmm. I think there's a puritan that's not the right word. There's an there's it's, an absolute it's, it's, it's
1: a close enough
0: word. Yeah, yeah there's something about it's shameful to talk to Sami Ismail. I, I don't think so. I had no problem speaking with him about the things that I wanted to talk about. And we had that back and forth. Nothing was cut out. It was word for word. We spoke about even things like Sabro Shetila. No, yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's not enough. It should have been five hours long. Yeah. Maybe it requires a series. But I don't see any problem in talking to somebody like that. And I find it a bit odd that this can be even controversial. And on the flip side, so what if you're talking to Mary Claude Nesham? She's a former minister. She was a minister for a very for a short period of time. I'd like to keep doing more episodes like that, but the feedback tends to be almost like you're selling yourself out—that yeah. you're being short of October 17's aspirations. I don't I don't buy that stuff.
1: If between Samir Jaja and Michelin there are these red lines between the two camps that they cannot even talk to each other I'm not into that kind of political uh, makeup yeah. Yes, I, I believe I'm doing my best to be as clear as possible on my own opinions in my own editorial videos that I go rants. Yes, for
0: sure yeah,
1: I'm, 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 I'm trying to be really sharp mm-hmm. not trying to have some round edges but at the same time having my own opinion shouldn't restrict any conversation with any other person knowing that yes i won't do any interview just for the sake of advertising for any political candidate to any political position i want to have a true discussion so let's say now that i Riyad Salemi agrees to do an interview with me yes i doubt he won't (laughs) I, I truly have no problem and if be he listens to, or yeah. Yeah. no no this one <laughs> if he listens to this podcast it's an invitation
0: yeah I will take that section out yeah I'll find a way to get that to him and yeah. this will be the biggest mistake yeah and I can guarantee <laughs> but I have to leave Sademe. the country <laughs> and
1: I, I I'll go further I yeah. can guarantee him yeah. that yeah I won't try to have any ambush during the interview yeah but I'll be frank I'll be polite. <laughs> I'll, be, but I'll be frank
0: you brought him up for I think the right reasons right now that that's the it's somebody you would want to talk about even though you've been openly critical yeah. have you ever tried reaching out to his people or or him lately
1: no but but uh,
0: earlier there was that uh,
1: during the Al Jadid days I once did an interview with him but oh, it okay. was about a specific issue it was a technicality during mm, mm, before the collapse yeah after that no no I'll do the job. I, I'll try, but you should know something that at my last days at Al Jadid, I, I get credit. I get credit. <laughs> at my last days at Al Jadid, he had a press conference well, during two thousand and twenty, and he was going to declare something about. I, I can't remember now, but we were during the maybe the. Uh, 3,900 liras per yeah. dollar yeah, or something yeah, yeah. like that. It was a technicality. Yeah. So Mariam Al-Bassam from Al Jadid, uh, running mm-hmm. the news, she asked me if I would go there because I would understand what he's talking about mm-hmm. in order to yes. ask him questions. So I told her absolutely. So they put my name and they sent my name to the central bank that this is the reporter that will have because the central bank asks wh- oh, who's, who's the com- reporter yeah. that is coming to the press conference.
0: And there's a photo of you at the door. So I had
1: a call late at night that uh, the central bank uh, didn't agree on my name. They asked them to have another reporter. Yeah. Yeah, I told them, fine. Yeah. It's your your decision to make, Mm. it's not mine. Yeah. And I didn't make a fuss out of it.
0: So that was really the last time, at least from support of a station, that you tried? Yeah. Okay. And I
1: saw that they, they see me as the devil it's fine I, I don't have any problem
0: with that It would be like a nice springboard if you would start with the señora uh-huh. and show that you're not trying to ambush them yeah that maybe there's like that could be a building block towards You know them. I had a
1: problem I, I told you yeah. just a minutes a couple of minutes ago that I need your advice on yes, something Yes sir yes because uh, given your father and uh, you might know more people from the 14th of March camp during, especially the days from 2005-6 till at least mm.
0: 2008 yeah. or 7-9. In the uh, old Fuad Senora government, yeah. the 2005 until 2007 or so, 8. Uh, yeah, they had
1: their second government from 8-9 yeah. to 9 yeah, before exactly. the elections yeah. and after the Daha agreement. Right. I have a problem and I even asked some people from the uh, 14th of March camp, I need someone to do an interview with.
0: Uh, Keep talking, Jen. I'm just going to start reading a book. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <Let's see. laughs> you have to change the book. Um, uh, pure nostalgia, nostalgia is better. <laughs> we have Patrick Baz here, a whole collection uh, of his photography. <laughs> no,
1: I'm facing a real problem because <clears throat> I believe it's it's, it's a uh, it's a shortcoming of my own. but. I'm trying to search for some people from both camps with the label of a public intellectual, not to talk about uh, daily events and daily politics and only really three ministers, they gave us two, and mm. I, I, I'm tired of that kind of conversations. From the 14th of March, and even from the 8th of March, they have their own problems there, but you can single out maybe two, one or two. Who is the public intellectual of the 14th of March camp? Not the political players now, yeah, the, but yeah. the idea. You had Samir Frangi back then. Yes, he was yeah. like the right. public intellectual. Yeah, yeah. Who is the one that I really, I'm really intrigued in having a true conversation with someone from the 14th of March camp, just to uh, understand uh, how did they conceive uh, dealing with the change in 2005, mm-hmm. and what happened, and how do they review that period but from a sincere standpoint
0: yeah uh he's right there
1: yeah he's right there
0: he's right there so i think uh, you would have that conversation i think would have been uh, i would love to have watched that conversation yeah. maybe you're having one percent of it with me but the 99 yeah. is right there yeah but uh, i think the other ones the other ones i didn't know them well and they they died such a long time ago, but Basil Flehan
1: yeah I, I heard lots about uh, Basil Flehan also.
0: He was I think very 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 eloquent in his way, on the on more economics more finance. Yeah, um, I don't know too much about. I know the literature better than the politics of Samir Asir yeah, because that's too. it's really the last stretch that he becomes more more politics oriented. I know him more as a writer, turning into a politician, but I go back usually with Samir Asir. Um, I'm afraid, Jad, I think they're all dead. And I I don't know of anyone. I don't know of anyone today, who's an intellectual, I'll use that word because you're using it. In uh, the broad sense. In the broadest sense. Yeah. um, From that era, there are so many people that still claim to speak on behalf of that. But uh, I think many of them are closeted uh, panderers to Hezbollah. That goes back to our earlier wow, really? uh, conversation. I think many are. M- many that claim to have supported March 14 and the last stretch that are still looking to gain power wow. that were serving. In the last maybe last stretch. I think a lot of them were not March 14, so I think when they say they are, I don't, I don't know if that's true. Uh, uh, and they're not necessarily the intellectual crowd that you're asking yeah. about. They're more the, you know, you mentioned earlier the two seats here, three seats here. Yeah,
1: they, the the fights, the internal fights in the government, and they are in a fight with Aoun and Aoun. Yeah,
0: the the bigger sort of narrative of yeah. March 14. I think it's him, but uh, the others. Were killed before him, and
1: uh, yeah, because I was I, sh- I was really trying to do some homework about the main figures of the Fourteenth of March, and there are a few names I don't want to name them now because I don't want to get personal with anyone, but some of them yes they are smart they mm-hmm. know what they are talking about mm-hmm. but they have some hidden agendas and their uh, monetary ties with s- certain local or regional players so they can just uh, uh, bend uh, whatever they need to say in order to serve any uh, uh, how to say it a convenient narrative. yeah yeah so uh, i'm trying not to go there even though on a personal standpoint Yes, they are smart, and they can fill that role, yeah. but they don't because they need to play a political role
0: And their political role adjusted to something that was not March 14. It was yeah. you know you mentioned national unity before? Yeah, you didn't say national, you, you said it in, in a nicer yeah. way, this uh, whatever coalition coalition, yeah. Coalition, yeah. That, to me, is the end of March 14 already. Yeah. So that's and that's the end
1: of the 8th uh, the eight, the of March also? Actually, yeah. Because that's my whole point that I keep on repeating. I want to take the arguments of both camps seriously mm. without, without being cynical or anything. Okay, so if one camp says that the others are killing us, they are doing assassinations, and the other camp says that Those are collaborators with the Israelis during the Hartammuz and everything. If that's your true standpoint, how come you are sitting with each other in each and every government, but you are not even considering a dialogue with the opposition, the true opposition?
0: The current... The current opposition. Because
1: some would say they are managed by Hezbollah and the others say that uh, they are managed by Saudis or the Americans. Okay, Mm -hmm. but you are sitting with the Saudis and the Americans in the government and you are sitting with Hezbollah in the government.
0: So I am going to do something which I... I, So this actually, you know what? You told me you're giving me up to two hours. Ah, I know know your friends. (laughs) They're going to have to wait a little. Uh, I actually told myself I'm not going to bother Jad Husson with anything to ruin a weekend uh, and, like, do let's your best talk about you know how good his podcast is uh-huh. nice jacket <laughs> thank
1: you uh-huh. now, the, the people who are watching they've seen me in jacket and you're wearing uh, short sleeves I know I, uh, I, and I, I'm cold and you're cold <laughs> yeah that's
0: true alright so you know what let's let's do the let's do the stuff that this is what people I think want to hear because we do it well yeah that's, that's the thing we do it well um I I think the way you spelled it out right now is the stuff that I think allows for this uh, constructive disagreement. I know you said it before, and I know we had that moment before. I don't think there is a March 14 anymore. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think March 14, this is what we talked about in a bit before, was not killed by March 8. It's not Nabi Hbirri who delegitimized March 14. And it's not uh, it's not one particular group of March 8 that went and said, you know what, March 14 is not winning, they're not persuading, they're off, we're better, we're the alternative and we're the rightful opposition. Hezbollah destroyed March 14. Did not destroy the fake intelligentsia of March 14, did not destroy the members that claimed to be March 14, but served in every fake national unity government. And they left the most important political leaders of March 14, Michel Awan is one of them, pre-transition, they left Saad Hariri, they left uh, the ones that I think could be persuaded to Hezbollah's terms. And that does not, that does not discredit any reasons that they did for pure power. I think they should be, sh- they should be scolded regularly for using power as a reason to just say, you know what, we need to constantly compromise our principles. We're doing this for our own very narrow gains. That to me is not March 14. That's Lebanese politics gone wrong. Yeah. So borrowing from what you said earlier, I think, uh, this narr- this dichotomy doesn't exist. I do think that one group that really steers the ship in March eight uh, found a way to end politics. Politics was already bad. We briefly talked about this earlier when the Syrians were here. You were protesting them. We were. I mean, you, I remember you said it, which was very was a nice moment for me. I was trying to describe what they were doing here and you said it was an occupation. We both know that politics was dying, but 2005 it came back. I think everything that was uh, sacrificed in those years could not withstand Hezbollah. So I'm going to try to do what you want. Well, we can edit this later if you, if you no, don't no, like no,
1: it. No, I have uh, no problems, blacks.
0: I want to try to answer at least one of those questions you would like to ask to a March 14 intelligentsia. Knowing that I'm a rogue person uh-huh. in a small apartment in Marum Khair with no agenda. Even when it comes to him, I can think for my own. Uh, so I'd like to know what I would disagree with him too. But... Uh, Let's, let's go down this road. What are, what are at least one of the questions you'd like to ask? So,
1: my whole issue with the 14th of March, mm-hmm. I understand the argument that uh, is uh, is an aberration to the usual uh, political systems in mm-hmm. the world because you have the uh, monopoly over uh, armaments. But usually when you want to do politics, You need to have your theoretical uh, diagnostic of what's going Mm -hmm. on
0: yeah
1: and you would need to say that okay that's the problem and that's the way i will solve the problem and that's why i'm running into government and i'm going into elections because i'm i'm talking to people and letting them know that vote for me yeah because by voting for me i'm working towards solving your problem now hezbollah doesn't work the hezbollah question from the fourteenth of March standpoint, doesn't work from that perspective. Yeah, you cannot have seventy MPs and then you would solve the problem, of Hezbollah. It's 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 yeah. more complex. But you would have to have at least a roadmap. Yeah. Maybe it's a long roadmap, but any roadmap for you to be a political entity from a viable standpoint not from an intellectual Mm -hmm. standpoint yes I can hear any academic or any journalist uh, uh, speaker saying that Hezbollah's armament are a problem and you cannot have uh, a truly functioning political system while having one party out of the many having its own yeah, yeah. arms
0: and it's too simplistic of an yeah. answer because it's just it's a, a position it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're giving yeah. me your position
1: right. I understand that position yeah. what was the uh, political program or mm-hmm. political view back then for them on how to deal with the husband question efficiently Mm. Even though I'm not asking for any uh, small victories or any quick victories mm-hmm, you have, you mm-hmm. know, six months and you have, that's not I know it's a complex issue. I would think yeah. that's my own, my own answer that the state building the state apparatus is the argument towards Hezbollah's followers mm-hmm. that you have a stake in this country because the state is doing something that you need and yep. if the state breaks down breaks down uh, breaks down you would have a problem yeah what they did is the opposite
0: march march 14 yeah month, ah, march yeah. 14th.
1: so they got into government and it's uh, business as usual mm-hmm. uh, no budgets yeah. uh, the same old guard uh, takes the safakat al-umumiya al-mutaahideen and uh, Jihad al-Arab and uh, Ala Khawaja after that and Gandur from British side. Now we have Danny Khouri from the Christian side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's business as usual, but we are against Hezbollah. So now, uh, as an independent viewer at the, or in, uh, how to say, it, uh, somewhere from the outside looking in, yeah, yeah, yeah. having no stakes by either parties. So I would say, yes, I understand why Hezbollah needs to keep his arms because it's a political leverage that he has and he has his own project and political program and I understand why the others need to uh, let him surrender his arms but is their argument of him surrendering his armaments is towards the end of having a stronger state a more efficient state Mm -hmm. a better kind of living or another confessional uh, uh, war between two parties because one of them has the armaments but it's not because of uh, out of principle let's say it's because we have a confessional balance in Lebanon and now one of the confessions is breaking that balance we don't need a a better state we need a fair game between confessions and that's why their uh, their behavior in government wasn't the best Behavior for for a political party that asking for a stronger state, al-habur ila dawla that wasn't a dawla.
0: I will try. I mean, it's. I'll be honest with you, because you're very good at what you do. It's the first time anyone has asked me this question this way. So I'll try. Yeah. I may not shine. Uh, you will. Uh, I may. I'm, if if I faint and just click, you know, and then please upload. It. No,
1: you're trying to uh, lower expectations. <laughs> That's what I do for <laughs>
0: The country, yeah. lower your expectations. Yeah. <laughs> That's the Me, motto. Lower your yeah. expectations. <laughs> Nothing good is happening. I'll try because we're roughly the same age. I mean we're both we were both young when these things were happening. Yeah. Young meaning in our twenties. Yeah. Or whatever. We're not uh, I mean I think we've grown into a very mature reflection now because it's sixteen years since those moments began. Yeah. So I'll speak as a as somebody looking back. Yeah with whispers with whispers having had someone in my family who had a a goal in mind so I'll I'll try to link this up to what I think of as March 14 my understanding of everything that was at least pushed through in the build up to what was March 14 2005 was compromised in June 2005 i think that first government yeah. where it, you said it uh, business as usual yeah it really felt like even in,
1: even during the elections. It it this was, is what I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: So that that way of you have a chunk of March 14 that believes back then in one figure, Michel Aoun. To have that chunk, and I don't think they're all just sheep. I don't like this kind of people blame everyone in this country for being sheep. Yeah. I don't think that's fair. That's to this not fair. Yeah, point. I agree. Thousands of protesters that were on the street of March 14, 2005, were suddenly in March 8. And you have to make, there has to be some acknowledgement that there's a mistake made. Yeah. You can't just blame Michel Aoun's uh, determination or his personality, which yeah. could be off-putting. But that's not enough to take a chunk of the population away from what was theirs. They are March 14.
1: And that's quite a revealing moment back then, because the fourteenth of March didn't, uh, c- couldn't handle Michel Aoun, but they could
0: Hezbollah <laughs> during the elections. Right. So that, to me, is already what is going on. Something's wrong. Uh, whether or not Michel Aoun returns to Lebanon with assurances, whether or not he's given some private security exchanges with the Syrians as they're leaving, or with Hezbollah, that's. A separate story Mm. but I think the point is the spirit of what was March 14 once once Hezbollah was brought back in as if nothing happened a million people demonstrated assassinations were happening we're going to pretend like there's nothing wrong that's the end of March 14 Mm. so my experience is a short lived moment but long term I think this is my my understanding is that the few people within March 14 that I think went back to the principles, not the politics, not the uh, politics of how many people it takes to get Ibn Labshara Khouri to become president versus Samir Jaja or whatever, and getting Sleiman Bil'Ekhir. I don't think that's the Lebanese politics that you do when a country is in crisis, and you get stuck in the details. Yeah. I think the few that were proactively working towards at least trying to make sure that the Syrian exit would lead to a sovereign state, they're dead. Yeah, The ones that stuck their head up and had to deal with Lebanese politics by default. No one's immune to the uh, silliness of Lebanese politics. And it's within, what is it, months after those elections in the summer of 2005. Gibran Twain is killed. Uh, Pierre Schmale, today. It's yeah. the anniversary, it's 15 years. Right. Wow. That's in 2006. Remember, it's almost every month at some point there's assassinations, and they're all March 14. Yeah. All of them are hiding in the Phoenicia or wherever they are there uh, some of them were living in Sarai if you talk to Fuad Senora I would love to watch this if I remember right he spent nights or weeks living in the Sarai yeah. and if you remember those projectors shining on the, during
1: the protest uh, calling him to step down
0: exactly end of 2006 in yeah. 2007 you get I think in a way distracted by what you're there to do and I think personally the biggest example of this is someone like Saad Hariri. There's no other reason why this man is even supposed to be in Lebanese politics. Yeah. right? He's the son of an assassinated figure. Probably somebody who should have preserved that, whatever you think about Rafi Hariri. But the Lebanese were willing to at least honor that he was killed that way. You could at least hold on to that and use it as somebody as a symbolic figure. He threw, I think, a lot of that away when he entered politics, Mm. and it shows today where he is and where that story is. But that, that to me is not March Fourteen, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it
1: it does because. uh,
0: And and sorry, one more thing. You said something very. You asked a very sharp question. March Fourteen and March Eight figures that don't talk to the opposition. October Seventeen. Yeah. I really don't think anyone in March Fourteen that's worth their salt, (laughs) is even involved and. March 8th, the way I understand it today, is a Hezbollah-oriented defense mechanism against what is a increasingly angry population that is pointing at them more and more than they used to. Mm. You, I think it was one of your rants. I hope I remember this right. I think it was a rant. You, you kind of let it out a bit. You were talking about where Bitar is yeah. and where the investigation is. I think all of us are in that stage now. It's like this is unacceptable.
1: Yeah, but, but the thing that I was trying to uh, say about the 14th of March back then, and now it's the 8th of
0: March. Yeah,
1: is that I believe we have the same chronic problem in Lebanon decades now. Mm. But you sound like me. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> nah. We were rubbing off on each other. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> the problem is that there is Al-Haririya Siyasiyya, so mm-hmm. during the 90s it was Rafi al at the forefront, mm-hmm. so he was the target of any criticism because he was, he wasn't the political system, right. he was just the tip of the iceberg but yeah. it was, it was Nabi Birri, it was Walid Jumlat, sure. it was Michel Al-Mur, it was Lahoud, Franji.
0: There was a lot of economics under his wing. But he
1: was like the uh, forefront of that new era. Before that, it was the Al-Maruniyah CSIA, the Maronites. Because yes, they were at the forefront. Now it's Hezbollah at the forefront. But they all have a common uh, playbook. Hmm. They all are anti-state political players. Because they see Hmm. politics from the lenses of their community, let's say. So, the state is just a means to an end. Yes, Rafiq al-Hariri had his own project. One can disagree, one can agree, but he, has, he had his own project. Yeah. But his own project was based on a premise that we have as ex-militias, let's say confessional players, with the, the newly uh, newly in the game let's say financial sector we have to have an alliance to run the state together yeah this togetherness is what I hate
0: I hate it too and because
1: just because it, it's it's a very uh, munafiq uh, right. that's a hypocritical approach of trying to hide the the real uh uh playbook the real mode of doing politics which is each confession has its own state within the state and we need to just not step on our each other's toes which is what is a coalition government i agree that's it
0: the coalition government so I now mean, hasballah is playing that role absolutely would you say though i assume Syria played that role effectively. Yeah, we all—all all we had was coalition governments. For but
1: but at the Syrian days, why some people would say that the Syrian era is even better than than what we are living now? Mm. That under that, yeah, or at least over that, we have a supra superstructure, superstructure that is running the show. Yeah. so you yeah. have a centralized uh center of make of decision making yeah it correct. was the syrians yes yes you have your own politicking and uh because, but once you need a decision you can revert to someone who would take any decision right. might it be bad or good since the syrian left we're trying to not step on each other toes at, as militias ex-militias or confessional parts or financial uh clout let's say but we don't have anyone to resort to to have the final decision so that's when Hezbollah gets into the game especially after the uh, seventeenth of October uh, fiasco let's say from the standpoint (laughs) of the uh, government back then that now each party is crumbling or having uh, internal problems from the FPM, from Musta'bal from Amal Hezbollah is the only party out of all these parties having more damage control let's say And he's saying, I won't use this balance of power leaning towards my, in favor of my end against you. I will run the show for you and with you. Right, right. So that's Saad al-Hariri naming Saad al-Hariri to be prime minister. That's naming Oh yeah. That's not touching Riyad Salemi effectively. And that's naming uh, Yusuf Khalil as finance minister.
0: Sure. Actually, so I I completely agree with your chat. And I think the tragedy is that uh, dialogue with Hezbollah, serious dialogue, I mean, not dialogue for the sake of dialogue, but dialogue that leads to solutions. The fact that all of that, all of those steps were met with either intimidation or violence, I think indicated relatively early on that this group is not doing Lebanon's work that there's something bigger that they're involved with. And unfortunately, I think Hezbollah would have been, by now, another Lebanese political player without the story of everything else. But the fact is, any group that inherits what the Syrians left behind, that's a big mistake because the Syrians eventually left. And the Lebanese are a little too upset at the moment to ignore what is happening. And that's a segue to wrap up the episode. Mm -hmm, The question I wanted to ask you because I learned a lot from you. Bring back the safety paper. (laughs) Controversy is squiggles, (laughs) safety is well manicured. Um, You're doing fantastic work when it comes to just talking about where the port blast investigation is. Obviously, it's not just you, many independent voices, some that are run by young, aspiring journalists, some that are more mainstream. But there's a community of journalists that is doing the dirty digging. Mm. The government, obviously, is doing almost nothing, if not anything. And we're learning, thanks to journalists, just how bad things were when it led to the port blast. And why these things are happening, where Bitar, I think, at the moment, hasn't done anything in the last weeks since the recent suspension. Do you see your role today when when at least this issue comes up at trying to push justice down this regime's throat because you're very you're very careful with your words but you're also very stern and all of us in different ways lost our patience with yeah. this issue but do you see that as part of your journey, that it's not just expressing what's happening or offering analysis, yeah. that you're actually trying to fill in the shoes of what should be really the state's work?
1: Look, I, I would be naive to to really believe that a systemic problem that we are facing will be resolved through a simple judicial uh, mm decision let's say yeah yeah um, let's say in the best case scenario Tariq Bittar continues his work
0: yeah
1: and he prosecutes those or investigates the, each and every single individual that he seems that needs to be investigated yeah and then the investigation ends and he will have his decision which will be then lent to the uh, judicial the measures uh, yeah. right well, there they will have their decision. And yeah. let's suppose even a better scenario, they will say Jad Ghussan is the one who was behind the blast and Jad yeah. Ghussan was a part of uh, any political movement in Lebanon, be it uh, Hezbollah, be it uh, Jumblat, be it Frangieh, mm-hmm. be it what do you think then would happen?
0: Absolutely nothing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So... What I'm trying to do with this whole following up, first of all, I'm doing my job. Okay, I should follow up on this issue and just be frank about all what's happening. It's just to uncover the systemic problem that we have, Mm. that it it has reached a phase that even an independent investigation, it's not a judicial process that is going to happen later on. We're still in the investigation phase. You cannot even investigate with an ex-minister. Exactly. Because the system, usually Hannah Arendt said that those who truly have power don't have to exercise it. Because they are powerful enough for you to know what will happen to you if you try to face that power. So now we are at a stage where an investigator can't even have, uh, uh, let's say, yeah, investigation with Hassan it, Diab. Let's say, gets us,
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. He and leaves.
1: Hassan Diab knows that if he goes uh, to the to Tariq Bitar, no one would handcuff him, right? No one would put him in prison. We all know that, yeah, but that's, th- that's not even allowed. And I said during around one of those rounds, yeah. that when Mi'at's government was put
0: in place, yeah,
1: yeah it was an announcement for me that this whole investigation would be thrown into the rubbish right. camp.
0: yeah but i mean in your limited role but also effective at at least getting the audience to understand what's going on is that bigger pursuit there are you trying to at least try to find a way to get the regime to do something different because i i get frustrated on my own my own side where you can just repeat yourself over and over and over who cares if there's an audience or not it doesn't go anywhere yeah. there's a frustrated audience I, I,
1: I always have this ups and downs with my yeah. motivational status if i'm motivated yes. or not but uh, in this specific case it's not it's not only having uh, the uh, the message come across the audience because yes it's it's the most important issue if you are being heard if yeah. you, if there are some ripple effects but it's also handing landing any support to other judges
0: right to right. So rebel see, I see yeah, because yeah.
1: you won't be alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the Liverpool motto. you'll never walk alone in the sun. So
0: you're offering that wisp- that like echo to Tarabitar, Bitar that there's an audience that believes in what you're doing.
1: yeah and, and, and I had discussion with one of the uh, uh, NGOs, let's say mm-hmm. it was about a uh, feminist issue. they defend feminist issues i have this problem in lebanon that maybe since the october 17th, this movement can be fixed and it's being fixed maybe that the feminist movement should defend the issues of the the labor sector and the labor sector should defend the rights of the, mm-hmm. the lgbtq yeah. and us as a society should try to defend the true judges yeah because We are trying to build connections that are really effective in positions of power to affect this whole machine and how it works. If Tariq Bittar, even though he, let's say, and I always say, I will defend Tariq Bittar until proven wrong. Mm -hmm. Once he really does something that you have any evidence about it, I'll be the first one to. Be in, yep. in in his opposition, let's say. But
0: I like the way you framed it but because we have yeah. to
1: create networks yeah. that empower each other, especially those in positions of power. Yeah. And maybe I've, maybe all of us have been in a did the mistake of generalizing that everything is corrupted. Yeah, every yeah. minister that passed, no, not every minister yeah. was corrupted. It's not true. Not everyone in the administration, Lebanese administration is corrupted. Having this uh differentiation is the key to have efficient change
0: i fully agree with you my last column for now lebanon i wrote that exact sentiment that you have to you have to reward people mm. that are trying you can't just condemn them for being in the government if they're doing the right thing or if they appear to be doing the right thing have the population stand up and and applaud them because they don't have any allies
1: and be realistic and uh, your opposition and your loyalties. Yes. Because when you applaud something good, you are not asking to uh, have saints in Lebanon. Yeah. There's right. a, a human being that can make mistakes but he's doing a good job here and I can applaud
0: that. Yeah. There's something I wanted to ask you earlier but it goes, it ties into October 17. I have limited expectations, I think all of us do, when it comes to what's going to happen next year, and how many October 17, pure October 17, not Kata'ib. Not the independents that ran before. Michel le- Naamat I mean. Not the usual crowd that runs. Yes, yeah.
1: just just think of the headlines. If the uh, if they had one coalition, let's right. say, and that I believe that won't happen. But if they had one coalition, and it's Sami Ismail, it's uh, <laughs> Naamat Freme and Michel Maoua who won, and that's 17- the title. <laughs> 17- <laughs> that's exactly. that's funny.
0: But that, I mean it could happen. Yeah, <laughs> but but let's say. Them aside, whether they think of themselves as October 17, forget that. Whether October 17 thinks of them as October 17, that aside, the pure October 17 crowd, people that were not in power before, that are in new political parties, that are now going to start running, they may not do that well in the end. Maybe they will have only a handful of seats. Who knows? Maybe it's too early still. But... It doesn't seem like it's going to be a big uh, victory, be small. Is there any maneuvering space today for those people, knowing everything you said earlier, that, I mean, it's the problems are old, the regime seems to be more or less intact, and these people are trying to now sort of come in with aspirations, but it's not a new government, it's not a new country, it's not a brand new anything. It's Lebanon yeah. they're entering the state do you think they will have some chance at actually improving anything and I'll add to this question let's use an example he's not October 17 but there's a current Minister of Environment Nasser Yassin to me it seemed like he was supporting October 17 at least the aspirations he met with many October 17 co- uh, parties He's currently in the government. We had those giant fires across the country. It seems like he's trying. I don't think he's hiding away from his responsibilities. But the fact is the equipment is not there. Corruption is so rampant in this country. You could put anybody in that position. They may not be able to do that much.
1: And that's why I'm in opposition with Nasser Yassin's decision to get into this government. Okay. Because yes, if you run to the Parliament, to the elections, It's okay, you are positioning yourself in in, in the opposition, and then you'll see what you can do in Mm -hmm. the parliament. Mm -hmm. But in the transitional period where the uh, destiny of this country is being forged each and every day, especially Mm -hmm. from a financial and economic standpoint, Mm -hmm. and the government will now go and begin its negotiations with the IMF, what are you doing by getting into such a government specifically Mm -hmm. where the balance of power is shifted 99.9% 99.9% towards the banking sector and the central bank's view on how to resolve this problem. And this was said and declared publicly by Mi'ate himself. Mm-hmm. And yesterday we watched Riyad Salemi. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you will be blamed for all the wrongdoings. And if you have any small victory which would not affect the, our situation as a whole in Lebanon, the reward is to the government.
0: Does that also include, let's, so, you may, Nasser Yassin is the current yeah. ex- expression of that. March or May next year. Yeah. Uh, so October 17 MP.
1: Yeah.
0: Is that person in the same situation as Nasser Yassin? And if they're not, can they do anything? Yeah.
1: Uh, n- now the question is, And let's say, in 2018, uh, some people uh, who were running to the elections, uh, as Kuluna Watani back then, were having some fights between each other before they declared their uh, their running to the elections. They were having meetings between each other, and they had a political paper to write as a declaration of their unified uh, uh, lists to the elections. So they had their problems back then because you should write something about, uh, let's say, uh, uh, whatever, uh, anything related to the income of the p- poor people. No, it would be too lefty. No, it would be too to the right. Mm-hmm. So they are, my standpoint back then, I, I spoke to one of them. I was telling him, uh, just Jil- for Jil- Jil- about do it. It. <laughs> No, it wasn't Gilberto. Yeah. <laughs> but I was telling him, uh, just forget about that paper. Why are you having so much time wasted on drafting the small words? Yes, we know that you are not really unified politically mm. speaking. Mm. You what What is unifying you at the moment is your opposition. That's it. We all know you are not really unified politically. The opposition is what unified you. Mm-hmm. And we know you are in disagreement on many issues. You can't hide it. We all know it. People who will vote know this. Yeah. In real life, the ones who will win out of this block yeah. would have the opportunity and the chance to forge a political, uh, a more unified, a political platform, let's say, or a program, by by having the balance of power tilted to, towards them, because they won the election. They would have the platform. They would have the visibility, mm-hmm. and they may affect that. Uh, uh, political stance of the opposition. And then right. some people would agree, would agree or not. Yeah. So let's wait for the elections results. And then what happened? You had Paula Yaobian, let's say in Beirut, and uh, maybe Jim- Osama or, Saad for or, those yeah, who would yes. say that Osama Saad yeah, yeah. is the, What work have been done since 2008 and before 2019 and October in order to forge a political front, yeah. not just individuals, who would just have their political uh, CV uh, on one premise yeah. that I'm better than those crooked in the government. It's right. easy to be better than those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's not a big issue. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing has been done. So now the question is, what does it mean for a true October 17 MP? Who is the true October 17? No one knows.
0: Um, so so maybe the, the
1: election can help us. Oh, yeah, <laughs> let's, yeah well, okay, let's say
0: that. That's well said. But... Give him. Let's say there's five people from s- several groups that are only October Seventeen. Lihakki, yeah. Let's say somehow manages to get somebody. Mintishreen yeah. has somebody. um I don't know. Kittle. Kittle Watani yeah. gets a, somebody.
1: Muattinun and Pula. and go. Marsad. So, so these are the
0: base. There you go. So five, six, seven. Okay. Uh, these these individuals. I think of their job as years and years and years ahead not now
1: I totally agree yeah
0: so it's not There should be very little expectation next year yeah. from what they can do
1: first of all the expectation should be lower towards the results of the elections
0: yeah yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> especially uh, I'm, I'm, I was willing on uh, having a rant about it yesterday but I had an interview with MP Khyber so it was delayed and then you had internet delays yeah, because, to the delays. Uh, yeah. yeah there you go. so uh, uh, the immigration vote Results would be shocking to those who think they would have a revolution Yeah. and uh, the election as a whole. And then if you had specific individuals in the parliament, our problem is that we are still in the one-on-one class, we didn't go into the uh, yeah. real major of doing politics. If you want to do real politics, you would have to assume and give that person some margin to put their hands in the dirt. Mm-hmm. You cannot do politics from a puritan standpoint. Yes any political party and any political individual needs to have dialogue with those that we hate because they have they will be in a position of power the, the issue is can we have someone credible enough for us to trust that the kind of discussion that they will have is not power sharing discussions right it's really yeah. about policy 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 yeah. making yeah, yeah, yeah so i believe i, I had an interview with gassan who wasn't uh, just? Uh, he didn't uh, get into the scene with the October seventeenth. He was an MP in two thousand and two, right. and he he is the traditional form of the Musharra, yes, the, yes, the yes. legislator. Yeah, <laughs> yes, he didn't have the the uh, big wins, and they didn't manage to make big changes mm-hmm. in the country. But the work that he did as an individual in the in the parliament by talking to the FPM, by talking to the mustaqbal sometimes, by talking to the UED sometimes. Yeah. It's trying to do those small marginal uh, changes. If you want something bigger than that, then you would have to ha- make a bigger political front. Right. You cannot ex- expect from uh, 5% of the voters to rule the country. That's not realistic.
0: Exactly.
1: So then you would have to look internally. What was, what is, and what was the problem of this opposition group? Yeah and i believe the main problem of the are two points the one that you touched on uh, a little while ago the puritan sense of one one has to just uh, look good all yeah, the time yeah. and not speak about the controversial issues because that might affect me in a bad way so that's a problem and the second is the opportunist in these groups yeah i don't i, I cannot fathom the idea that after Let's say you have any movement, group of about 50 people in 2015 during the You Think movement. Yeah, yeah. yeah? yeah. And after five years, you're still 50 people.
0: Right.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And a revolution happened and the two elections happened. Yeah. How come such small groups don't ask themselves themselves the question, what are we doing? Let's empower the closest groups to our thinking and just merge. And if I had a group, and I'm I'm closer to, let's say, Pola yeah, I would go to Pola We are not able to grow during the last five years uh, to the extent that we needed, but we are trying to help, and you are the closest to our mode of thinking. That can be Mualtinun, that can Mm -hmm. be Mintishirin, whomever. But just having 300 groups in a small country such as Lebanon,
0: it makes no sense it
1: makes no sense so why are why are you still having this armor <laughs> and this
0: yeah and we are a group you know this even goes back just to circle yeah. a bit i think that in itself was march 14's biggest problem yeah that it didn't eliminate those parties yeah. and become something better that it's it stuck on to the older parties that are now cursed at all the time.
1: And one has to, t- to talk about uh, um, uh, horrible issues, but we are talking about real politics here. You know? I'm yeah. not talking about war, but war is an example. So Bashir Jmeir, in his ascense, ascendance to power...
0: You want to end the op- episode with Bashir Jmeir? You have to give me three more minutes now. <laughs> yeah, yeah take, take your
1: time. So it's not only Bashir Jmeir. I will yeah, go around yeah, the yeah, circle. Yeah, yeah. So Bashir Jmeir, in order for him to have any efficiency needed in a very bad way, and I don't, I'm not condoning that, but during the war, he just washed off all the other smaller parties. Hezbollah yeah. in the south, yeah. uh, uh, even Rafi Hariri during the uh, peaceful times, he was trying to, uh, uh, how to say, just, you know, melt. Yeah. yeah. To, to, to have the smaller factions in the Sunnis, in Beirut yeah. specifically, yeah. the families of Islam, of, yes. To, yes. to merge them into his political movement. Yeah. Because if, Rafi Hariri dealt with each and every family as a political entity, yeah. he would be serving their existence as a political power. Right. Uh, he, he couldn't manage a larger group in order to empower him politically in yeah. order to have any efficiency. So one would have to take a look at this opposition uh, heck, uh, landscape and you would see 300 groups. What are we doing here? What, what are we trying to do? Some
0: of them are parties with only one person.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) these need to be discredited at least if they keep on uh, doing politics from a personal uh, gratification point of view.
0: (laughs) You know, it's really interesting though. We're in 2021. It's obvious that that is a big problem. Yet, nothing is done to reverse it. Yeah. Which means there may be something much bigger at play which is the lebanon the Lebanese story in itself I think is still with us yeah and this is maybe something that's existential in this country the names you just mentioned logically should all be together in one group yeah. and then you think about the reasons that they're not and they become very Lebanese reasons yeah. they're not universal reasons it's certain families certain confessions yeah and then the story kind of stops
1: and and there should be uh, there should we should have a line being drawn yeah yes I don't want to change the planet. I just want to yeah. affect our, our small country. Right. So I'm not trying to ask for something uh, like some people, uh, they are against any personification of politics. Yes. Yeah. try to Yeah. yeah but I, I I think that we can't go that far. Yeah. Because even in the United States, even in Europe, even in France, even in UK, mm-hmm. yes, we have the figure of Boris Johnson. You have to have figure of Macron or, Emmanuel, uh, yeah. or yeah, Marine yeah. Le Pen, Bernie Sanders or Trump or right. the but I can handle some of the bad stuff but at least politically speaking be clear yeah. and have two to three to four camps I can handle four camps especially in a small
0: place in a small place you know I know that people often accuse both of us for things that are not true I'm often not often sometimes I'll be yeah. fair I don't have I don't have any membership I don't I don't have any I don't have any I, I, I m- yeah, don't But I don't think you are an actual member of that party. No, no, but I have
1: declared my sympathy to their political program. Right. But you're not like
0: a card-carrying... No, no, no. Do you pay the 10% Uh, annual fee? (laughs) No, I don't. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But
1: the issue is that uh, during the beginning of 2020, or it was during the demonstrations, Mm. uh, late 19, or, I I made a couple of videos asking all of the political groups that are emerging now, just... To change and to break with the way that politics has been done from the political yeah. parties that we know, have your own political program. Yeah, a clearly defined political program, and it's not just an aesthetically uh, needed uh, political program to mm-hmm. just uh, look modern or whatever. It's the basis for you to be able to have allies.
0: Yeah,
1: that then you would you can kind of can measure where you are closer to a group or to another. If you don't do this job, yeah how can we judge you and how can you judge yourself politically on the landscape where do I fit sure so that would make any coalition even harder in the future yeah and that's where when I said that Muwatinun and Muwatinun did their job so now yeah. when they have their program give us your position to that progr- program if you are far away if you are close and let's have two to three camps yeah and then the opposition can be organized to a certain extent and we have We can have dialogue, fruitful dialogue between these two, three camps. If we are 300 groups, we cannot even have a dialogue now.
0: No, it it ends. It ends in chaos. And it ended. And it ended. But I'll I'll say something. This is an assumption. Um, I don't mind talking about the parties and what they're good at. Mm. Forget all their flaws. But if a party is trying to reform and they make decisions that are in that direction... Should we, you can talk about it. Yeah. There's a reform tendencies within that party. It doesn't mean they're angels or that they're even going to win. Yeah. Um, I was thinking when you were talking about the old ways of Mista'bar, Yeah. not, not, not this. Uh, let's go back to Rafiq, Hariri days, yeah. maybe the earlier moments when we were kids. Yeah. Something that used to appeal to me as somebody who was too young to even care is that there was a group that seemed to be reaching out to varied communities and that they would sometimes make it less sunni as a as a policy not because they're trying to pander but that they're trying to actually bring in brighter people yeah. so it's something like Basil Flehan, for example yeah. that he was in Mustad yeah. to me something positive
1: what's interesting in the Mustaqbal movement like sect during the Hariri days yeah. that you can pinpoint the moments when Hariri reverted to sunnism <laughs>
0: Right. because
1: yeah. uh, at the beginning mm-hmm. he was a state project he yeah. had a state project Yeah. when this state project be- began collapsing or having uh, difficult moments let's say since ni- 1996 yeah. 1997, 1998 mm-hmm. he reverted to Sunnism to just have yeah. a defensive mechanism right. because the plan wasn't going as planned
0: yeah But well, he, back in the days Emil Lahoud coming into power it's a long yeah. time ago it's yeah. But, but that thing, you can criticize Mustafa for everything, all the time. But I like that kind of not being so tied into your own community. Whatever you think about Mumfid or Shab al-Nahas, people like to talk about this group as if it's the biggest story in Lebanon, and it's not. It's just a guy with a platform yeah. and a following. It's a big following, but it's not as dramatic, I think, as people make it out to be. But that they are very good at reaching out. Yeah. I see Mumfid gatherings in Batrun. I see them in Beirut. I see them sometimes in the south. And it's clear that this is not a confessional project. Yeah. I like that. It appeals to me.
1: But that's the basic way to do politics, uh, especially for emerging parties. Yes. So the, my question was...
0: I just wish he was less sensitive when it came to Hezbollah.
1: I, I I heard this criticism, but I I saw him many times talking about Hezbollah, and Hezbollah is a problem to be solved. The question is how to solve Hezbollah. So we are yeah. evolving towards the problem. Right. And what what intrigued me in that program when I read the program is that dealing with the Hezbollah question is also embedded in the economic and financial right. uh, program. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yes we have a problem we need to fix the many reasons that Im- that made this problem emerge in the first place because one, at the same time, and here I, I have a problem with many people, that yes, one can be critical with Hezbollah on lots of issues, but one has to keep in mind that Hezbollah's legitimacy isn't also brainwashing and buying sure, people. Sure, yes, true. he did something that others couldn't do, especially for those living in the South. Now, how can we deal with with this issue knowing that this legitimacy exists in real life? Yeah. So it's like when the during the Syrian days... It's not enough just to say to someone that I'm against the Syrian President Lebanon. Right. So right. let's see what the yeah. Syrians are doing, yeah. and let's try to deal with those problems, trying to affect them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's not just giving out the position. That's true. Yeah. I just don't want anyone who has ambition, and they seem to be very. He seems to be a very intelligent person. From I don't know him. know you, yeah. you know him probably. Yeah. More than many, many do. Um. He seems to be very well well informed and very sharp. He may also have dictatorial tendencies. I don't know. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm I, I, joking. I also <laughs> I also heard, heard
1: that a lot. And yeah, these are just whispers. Yeah, and, like, I, I can't give any definitive opinion about that because my my uh, my relationship with him is a, an individualistic relationship. Yeah. So uh, let's give the him the benefit that, of the doubt. Let's yeah. say
0: that that he's just very principled to the point of maybe there's a stubbornness there yeah. but um, I don't want anyone with that goal in mind trying to fix the country to ever go back to what Michel Aoun ended up doing there's no reason to Which go is back an, uh, just going to, from being this revered leader yeah. who many Lebanese sought to as a an exiled leader yeah. return to this country sink with Hezbollah to the point that now is so far removed from what I remember as Michel Aon. But what made me sympathetic to that party too. Yeah,
1: but that's why uh, I, my, my whole focus was back then on talking to Lihaki, when talking to, yeah. to Mintishreen, even uh, some people that they are uh, sympathetic to those. Yeah. Yeah. You should also have your political detailed program, not, not those We need an independent country, these mm-hmm. are bullshit, we all need a, a really politically, uh, policy based political program for you to be able to render your leaders or your MPs in the future accountable to something mm-hmm. because if you take a look at our traditional political parties they intentionally don't have clearly detailed policy papers. That's true. Because they they want towards their constituency to have the broader margin possible when doing politics. And your interest is to render their margin as thin as possible. And the political program is one of those tools to make that person accountable to what he says.
0: I will give credit to Mumford that they have very detailed Policies. Mintashreen is young. Yeah, They're very ambitious, but they're young and they're small. And but they've of done what that. I've
1: heard, they are doing uh, some effort towards that end.
0: Fantastic. And wording. even Lihakki, they yes.
1: tried to do a paper.
0: So at least the new crowd, yeah. if you want to include shaban nahas even though he's part yeah. of the old, but whatever, at least they're finally getting their act together when it comes to that issue. And I, I believe, I, I hope
1: at least, no one knows, When you have three to four to five parties Mm. with clearly defined political and political objectives and policy papers, they should be able to talk to each other. Yeah. At least on the policy uh, uh, side of the story, they should have something in common. Uh, Maybe in the long term objectives, they can go separate ways. But for an opposition group to be very far away from a policy standpoint from another, that would be really weird.
0: It'll be weird and I hope the direction long term is what I think both of us want at the end of the day is to live the last years of our lives knowing that things are moving in the right direction. I don't think we will both live in a fully functioning Lebanon. But if we live long enough...
1: If I stop smoking and... Well, yeah. Yeah, I'll have a a longer span. (laughs)
0: 100%. Quit smoking. So, Shad, uh, many people have been begging me to have you on the podcast. I told them... When it's time, yeah. it'll happen. So finally, it's happened.
1: Thank you for that. I'm, I'm really honored to
0: be here. And I really enjoyed these two hours. They're a thrill for me. I, I didn't even realize it was two hours. Yeah. We're past two hours. Thank you for what you do. And
1: excuse me for my English. I'm doing my best if I lost
0: some words. i i tried i sentence on the podcast in Arabic. Every day, if on Marcel Ghanem or Albert Kustanyan Oh whoever Dimash <laughs> did.
1: Yeah, I love the way that you say Kostanyan because oh, that's, that's, that's not the correct. true way to spell it Kostanyan Oh so in Lebanon because it's Kostanyan It's Custanye. more Frenchy. So i uh,
0: yeah. Kostanyan <laughs> No, it's
1: Kostanyan you said it right the first <laughs> time. Yeah, uh,
0: Costagna. I think Zana Jara Batanjadhkaya as a as a ill trampol and a two things will happen. the uh, audience will go down. And I'll be thrown into some show on MTV only. <laughs> <laughs> so I prefer... <laughs> I, I agree
1: on the second point, not the first. Oh, uh, okay.
0: Well, regardless, I know that you love doing this more than your old gig because the passion shows in your episodes. Yeah, I truly do. And there's nothing that I would ever do to stop this. So on that note, Jad, thank you.
1: Thank you very much.